It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for being with me today. I was away last week because I was on my way to the Coalition to Support America's Heroes, which is, the conference is called The Road to Recovery, and it is for severely injured soldiers and their families. And what we are brought in to do, there are different panels, you know, different um, things for career, for getting jobs, for writing resumes, for, I mean, there's just a whole range of things and what we what the whole coalition is set up to do is to help these soldiers whether it's you know women or men and their families bring them back from military life and integrate them as you know as seamlessly or as easily as is possible into civilian life because for many that is a very um, it's a very strange a very different transition for them given if they have mainly been in the military their whole life and if they come from, uh, you know, a strong military background. So the long and the short of why myself and the panel that I'm part of and put together is that we talk about uh, relationships, sexuality, and quality of life for the severely injured soldiers. And I'm going to go over those, the different formats We have four different breakout sessions. But the real thing that happened for me is that I got brought into this, oh, this would have been over 10 years ago, by a woman by the name of Lieutenant Colonel Mary Good. And Lieutenant Colonel Good at the time was in Rumsfeld's office. And she said, we do, she's career military, as was, you know, her husband, her former husband, he died, but her son and her daughter are. And she said, we do a really good job of putting these, you know, soldiers' bodies back together again. But what we don't do is this is a young audience and a young group of, you know, the the demographic of this is young. We don't talk to them about sexuality, and we don't talk to them about sexuality after they've been injured. And she asked if I could talk about, you know, sexuality and disability. I said, it's not my number one specialty, but I do know the best in my field. So each year, and it's invariably at uh, Disneyland or Universe, pardon me, Disney World or Universal, and the soldier, their family or their caregiver and their children 
are all brought, no charge to them, to this. And for many of these families, this is their, you know, one holiday or, you know, a year, and they have no expenses. We are one of the most, well, we are the most popular breakout groups and panel. And mainly because this is something that if they try to talk to a therapist about, you know, issues with sexuality, what do I do if I, you know, have lost a leg or I have no sensation, what can I, you know, they literally don't have the ability to address it for them, nor do the majority of the physicians and nor do the people who are someone of faith who they may be speaking with. So I'm going to go over, you know, the details of what we discussed because here's what I also am well aware of. There are so many people in North America, Canada, U.S., who are dealing with chronic illnesses or something that is a, what they consider to be a physical disability. They might have um, an arthritic back or hips or they may have, you know, a chronic um, ulcerative colitis or they may have something where they don't have the mobility that they used to and it impacts how they are able to be intimate and sexual with a partner. And so those numbers, those numbers are huge. It's like 45 to 50 percent of people in North America have an issue that they consider to be a chronic issue that they are taking medication for, whether it is cardiac, whether it is digestive, whether it is blood pressure. And those things also very much impact your sexual function. But I would like to talk for one brief moment uh, to bring you all up to speed as I would call you, making you be the informed consumers uh, relative to anything with sexuality. I happen to be reading an article in what is referred to as dailymail.co.uk. So it is a British uh, online uh, mag- uh, daily news service. And the title starts with, Sex Bots Could Kill, capitalized. Experts warn owners overexertion, risk of overexertion, as 40% of men admit they would use one. Now, let me just break this down a little bit for you. <laughs> Where they got this 40% number from, and then what they do is they write about nearly half of all men could see themselves buying a sex robot in the near future. Nearly half? No, this is, you know, 40% is still not nearly half, but we have to make it sound that way, right? And what they're talking about is the risk of overexertion. They're saying that someone who wasn't in good health the tireless robot could push their human lovers over the edge. Well, most of the time, the the robot is being controlled by the human being. So let's just sort of step back and smile wryly at this sort of what I would think of as like a rather overly melodramatic title. But what they also did is they took the presentations that these people were attending a... uh, a seminar, they were key presentations at the Love and Sex with Robots conference. Well, just a question. Do you think that someone who might be interested in having sex with a robot might go to uh, a presentation at Love and Sex with Robots conference? No kidding. So this is an audience that is already obviously very much predisposed to working with robots or having... and. The thing that I find interesting is that 
there is such a crossover now in the area of sexuality and technology, whether it is an app on a phone that can operate a toy, whether it is an app that can be on your computer. What, I mean, the crossover between technology and sexuality has always been there. It's always been at the forefront. When they first started out with tapes and VHSs and all of those old things, you know, in, you know, in the olden days, the area that had that technology explode were the home videos that finally people could look at in the privacy of their own home. Then it changed to DVDs. Then it changed to things that were online. And now, interestingly enough, when it comes to technology and sexuality, the most popular uh, areas right now are the cam girls. So it isn't something that's going through. They're the girls who have a cam recorder, in their home, so they have much more security. They have much more control of who they are dealing with. They have a, uh, a following, or they have their own clients. None of the money that they are earning then ends up being taken by the adult uh, video manufacturers and distributors, which is having those distributors and producers scratch their head because they cannot figure out how can we get that portion of our market back. Well, guess what? They can't. But the thing that I want people to look at when they read something like this is be, you know, stand on the sidelines and go, okay, it's saying that they surveyed 263 heterosexual males between the ages of 18 and 67. And they were actually shown, these people were, these men were actually shown a two-minute videos of female humanoid robots. Now, the, the female robot or the female doll, there's, there's been dolls that look very much like women that you can order. I mean, they're not inexpensive, five to $10,000. You can order them with a range of different ability to be sexual, whether it is vaginal or anal or oral, and I believe it's called realdoll.com. But they're manufactured specifically to someone's, you know, taste and requirement, the color of hair, the size of breast, the size of waist, the color of skin, color of the nails, I mean, everything. And they're showing this woman in bed with a male robot who looks like something straight out of iRobot. So it's like a silver robot. Not exactly a turn-on for most. I don't think leaning up against hard plastic is like a woo-woo factor. Call me crazy, but I don't think so. Anyway, when you look at articles like this, I want you to look and go, hmm, okay, so we have a predisposed audience who already are there saying that they might be interested in this, and what would be the things that they would want to get from this? First off, they can have the type of stimulation they want, It's you know whether it's fantasizing. And then I love this one person who uh, is a behavioral therapist, and their comment is that could a sex bot reduce crime? Well, I have to tell you, I do not think that I've ever seen where a robot is something that would be a, an interrupter of someone who wants to do something in a sex crime, fa you know, fa you know, manner. And this person saying that that it's extreme fetishism that would be the thing that would lead someone to do something. Look, if someone's going to do something. 
in a, with a sex crime, it's more likely to be something that is a power thing rather than a fetish thing. And by the way, fetish itself is a definition of it's the thing that turns them on, not the human being. So it's the rubber, it's the shoes, that's the fetish. They're turned on by that. We're coming up to my first break, and when I come back, I'm going to go into detail on what we covered in our panel and our four breakout sessions for the Coalition to Support America's Heroes for the Severely Injured Soldiers. Um, our panel, we were in Orlando, and here come the tunes, and I will be back right after this. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Padgett. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. years ago, some fishermen off the coast of Italy discovered some pottery along with fish in their nets. Divers were called out and discovered an ancient Roman ship whose galley, or caboose, a nautical term for kitchen, was extremely intact. Some of the food uncovered on board was pickled fish, wine, oil, and grain used to make the ship's biscuits, otherwise known as dandy funks. It is thought the 2,000-year-old boat was probably on its way to Spain when it sunk and was covered by layers of mud, baggy wrinkles and all. Baggy wrinkles are another name for the ship's ropes. The mud protected the ship from wear, explaining why the leftover food on board was still in such good condition. We land lovers may not be familiar with leftovers on the sea, but we are familiar with leftovers in our kitchen. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. According to Fitness Magazine, the majority of us are getting enough protein. Most nutritionists agree that active women need about half a gram per pound a day, or approximately 65 grams for a 130-pound woman. The USDA reports that most of us, even vegetarians, are eating 69 grams of protein daily, so we are good. If you are as active as recommended and exercise for more than an hour, five or more days a week, you should increase your protein intake to 0.75 grams per pound. Eating protein within 30 to 45 minutes after you work out rebuilds and repairs the micro tears in muscle tissue that occurs when you exercise. Taking in protein right after you work out will make you feel less sore the next day and increases your lean muscle mass. I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. And I was just um, uh, texting with Karina, who is the producer of my show, and I understand it is freezing where they are in Tyler, Texas. <laughs> anyway, back to what we did 
there's myself and the panel that uh, we have been together for eight years presenting for the Coalition to Support America's Heroes. And we are, our premise when we started this is we wanted to make sure that when we delivered information, it was specifically for these soldiers. And when we first started, there were a lot more burns, um, a lot more um, amputations. And then as the body armor got better or you know, the, the type of uh, battles that they were going into or the type of excursions they were going into shifted and changed. So now we are speaking more to an audience that is growing with PTS, which is post-traumatic stress. And I'm using, I'm getting rid of the PTSD, the disorder or disease, because it's post-traumatic stress. And the other is the TBI, traumatic brain injury. And that is a much bigger part of who our audience is than it was eight years ago. So the people who are part of, as I call it, who are on the, the dais with us, with me, are, uh, there's, there's five of us total. And one of the first is Reverend Dr. William Staten. And he is an uh, American Baptist clergy, and he also has his Ph.D. in the area of sexuality. And what we know is that this is an audience where, you know, the strongly held beliefs and faith-based um, family are very important for them. So having Bill be our first person to stand up and speak to them has them realize that we're not coming there because the people don't repeat every year. They're brand new every year. So the 300-plus people that were there, 90-plus different soldiers, they are a different group every year. They try to make sure that, that they have that they are including people so it isn't, you know, the same group that sort of lines up and gets taken care of, but make sure that the benefits and this privilege is sort of spread around. But Bill Staten uh, gives them the awareness that, you know, we are born of faith, we are born of spirit, we are born of whether you call it God, and that in that being born of that, we are also born as sexual beings. There is nothing in, and actually his comment was, there is nothing in the Bible. And I think his comment is there's like 200 plus different versions of Bibles. He says, there's nothing in the Bible that says, you know, about not masturbating. But what it talks about, I mean, the Bible is there as a cultural way for people to understand behaviors, to have... You know, it's so, so it isn't a singing minstrel or something else, but it's in a way where people can, okay, this is a way to guide myself. And for many people, having something that they feel they can identify with that is a higher self or their reason for being or their purpose is very important. And when we speak and when we hear the different speakers who are presenting at the um, coalition at this Road to Recovery conference, there are many for whom that spirit, that union, that God is very important to their healing 
to their faith that they're going to make it through, that there's a purpose for them. There's a gentleman by the name of Dave Rover who has a uh, facility that he has created. And again, people have to be sober, but they also, it is something where he will bring them to their facility and they are able to find a, you know, they, they can explore a purpose, where they're going, what is happening. And we have seen over the years how many people, how many of the different, you know, wounded, you know, soldiers who have joined with the coalition, joined with Road to Recovery, and, you know, five years ago they were sitting in the audience. Now they're up there on stage speaking directly to their peers, and yet for many of them, one of the most important things is that they are able to have that faith that will support them. So our first speaker, who when we do our panel, is Reverend Staten. Then we have Dr. Linda Mona. And Dr. Mona is a, a Ph.D. Uh, psychologist at the VA in Long Beach. And she works within the VA system, which for many people they think uh, VA, you know, only does, you know, they, they really don't do a good job. There are really good people in the VA, and then there are other people who may not be so great in the VA. Yet what I also have seen is I've seen a lot of VA that has stepped up to the plate and been there for the soldiers, for people in different facilities, whether it is in Florida, whether it is in areas of Texas, whether it is in uh, Long Beach, whether it is in San Diego. But the important thing here is that Dr. Mona works with these clients and has done so for the past 16 years and can speak to them. She herself has a disability. She is in a chair. I mean, she's able to be ambulatory and not necessarily, you know, she's not completely in a chair, yet for her, as she puts it, she was born into this, and this was a progressive uh, issue for her health, whereas for a lot of these soldiers, this is something where they got, boom, yanked out of their life and into another life they never expected. Like, in five seconds, their world completely changed, and what we're looking at is two to three years down the road, they are now coming in, and we're looking at now that the body has healed and you have survived, how can we get you and give you information from the top experts in the area of disability and sexuality so that you can maintain your relationship, and for some, it's really tough. Maintain the relationship or build a relationship, get into a relationship, heal a relationship, because sometimes the issues about sexuality have nothing to do, or their intimacy has nothing to do with the injury. It may have something to do with a message they got when, like anybody else, when they were growing up. And that's one of the places where I come in, which I will, you know, I kind of, as I say, I back clean up. But Dr. Mona has been a known expert in the area of disability for years. At one point, she was with a company called MyPleasure.com and wrote many articles on 
relationships, sexuality, and quality of life, you know, including, you know, husband is not interested in sex anymore after getting injured, finding the right mate, you know, when do you disclose, and we'll talk about that when we come, because we're coming up to our, you know, our second break, but like any time when you have something, our sexuality is a very vulnerable part of us, and for people who have, say someone has herpes, when do you disclose to someone that you have that? When you do disclose to someone that you may have a colostomy or that you had some issue physically and you have scars, when we are being intimate with someone, that is when someone sees us at our most vulnerable. And what we try to do is let people know, A, you're not alone. This is... A, there's a whole group of you out there, and we want you to know the best things that people shared with us that work for them. So there's Dr. Staten, there's Dr. Linda Mona, then there is myself, Lou Paget, and I talk about techniques and ideas and time-tested things that I know work for couples, short-term, long-term, getting into relationships, choosing the right partner. Then also we have uh, Sarah Ray Andreski, and Dr. Andreski is a postdoctoral fellow, and she is at the VA in Ironside Mountain in UP, the Upper Peninsula, and she works for the huge span area within the VA, but she also has gone through her own traumas, particularly in, in the area of sexual abuse trauma, which for many in the military, often does not get spoken about. And Dr. Andreski's specialty is PTS and TBI. And that is something that when we are able to give people, listen, these are ideas, you can do mindfulness techniques. I mean, because sometimes when people get triggered, they're not sure how to bring themselves back or they don't have someone who has had a traumatic experience that they can relate to. And then the last person we have with us is uh, Tom Stewart, and he is the CEO and founder of Sports Sheets, which is the mission of that company is keeping couples connected. And Tom has been so generous with our conference, and he is military himself. He is a retired commander from the U.S. Navy. He's a retired uh, helicopter pilot, and so he knows the military side of things, and he also has one of the best uh, vanilla BDSM, bondage dominance, uh, sadomasochism, light kink uh, products, product lines. He has probably 400 different product lines, but what I'll tell you is people who have some form of mobility or disability issue, when it comes to wanting to stay connected to a partner, they become very creative, and the toys and the products that Tom has developed, that is what we introduce to them, and he is so generous and brings them. I will be coming back with what we talk about in our breakouts right after this next message. Please stay with me. Sex 
Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. evening in 1929, William Lear and Elmer Wavering of Quincy, Illinois, were out driving with their girlfriends. One of the girls suggested it would be even more romantic if they could listen to music. The guys liked the idea and started tinkering with installing a home radio in the car. They sold their idea to a radio manufacturing company and applied for a loan with a local banker to get production started. Thinking it might sweeten the deal, they installed one of their new radios in the banker's vehicle. Unfortunately, the banker's car caught on fire and they didn't get the loan. They must have felt like Dunder Klumpens. Not giving up, they drove to a radio convention and sat outside in the car with the radio blasting. Soon, orders were pouring in and taking a cue from the Victrola because their radio was going in a car. They called it the Motorola. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Have you ever considered dancing your way to fitness? It may be time for you to find innovative things to add to your fitness program. Variety is always good, not only for your body, but also for your mind. I want to encourage you to add aerobic dance to your exercise routine. Dancing has become so popular because of television shows like Dancing with the Stars. Aerobic dance classes get your heart rate up and sustains it while you work almost every muscle in your body. It allows you to let go and to release any stress that you're carrying while you get a fun and energetic workout. You don't need to be coordinated or a great dancer. Just step into a class or rent a DVD and let loose. Aerobic dance is a wonderful form of cardio exercise and a fun way to get in shape. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back again. In this segment, what I'm going to be going over are the things that we cover with our panel when we you know, are introducing ourselves, who we are, what we do. And the big thing that we do is we want to make sure that people understand clearly what our breakout sessions are going to be about. So when I start off, I give a little bit of the history. I say how we got started, talk about Lieutenant Colonel Good, and that we then became, we, we started to grow in the number of areas that guided, again, by what our audience was. So our first person, um, as, as I said before, is... Uh, Reverend Staten, but yet what we also do is we try to ensure that people can access us wherever we are because we're at a huge park. We were at Universal, and what that means is that we've got a, a people are scattered all over, 
And if people want to get a hold of us, the important thing is that we all, they also know who our families are. So our partners who we travel with, um, spouses, are also on the dais with us so that when we are introduced and when people see them walking up and down the halls, they know that they can access us through them. And uh, Dr. Mona comes with her sons who are 14 and 10, and that's something that's an access in, you know, for kids who might say, hey, yeah, my dad's dealing with this. And, you know, I, my father, I never really thought about it, but my father had a disability. He only had one arm, and I never really thought about that. I and mean, it was just my dad had one arm, and my older brother had one eye. And, you know, it was something that was uh, an accident. Be careful with bows and arrows, kitties. But the thing that we are looking at is are there real people information that can be given to them? Is it in a way that is respectful of their value systems? And what is the most important takeaway that we can give them? So as an example, the, in the where sexuality and religion coexist, Dr. Staten talks about that you know, religion and sexuality have long been at the core of most people's lives. And Bill Staten discusses the connection between sexuality, spirituality, and religion, and the importance of the lifelong education on these issues. And the reason that when Bill was first a young Baptist minister, he started having people approach him when he had his first congregation that he was with, and they were asking him questions about things in the area of sexuality, and he didn't even know people did these things. And yet, they were coming to him as someone of faith to get an answer to, is this normal? What can I do about this? My partner wants to do this. So what he did is he went back and did a Ph.D. in the area of sexuality. So he had better training so that he could minister better to his flock. And for many, as I said before, the therapists, the MDs, and the people of faith, they don't get any training in the area of sexuality, and particularly sexual pleasure. They might talk to you about um, getting pregnant or an STI, which they may know something about, but what they have very little training in for the majority of them are these two areas. So for Reverend Staten, he talks about, you know, look, you can blend these. These two things are not separate. You are born of this. And he has a, you know, he's an expert in both fields, and he has a very interactive, non-judgmental presentation that allows any questions to be asked. He talks about how he first learned about things, and he's very open about sharing that as a young man, how he first learned about sexuality. And the funny thing is, and this is so true, the person who gave him the first helpful tidbits of information, as slightly off as they might have been, was someone when he was in grade five. Now, you have to understand, Bill is 83. So 78 years ago, someone was telling him what to do with a girl and this was someone, pardon me, from grade five. So he, that's probably, oh, he probably would have been 11 
Uh, so, 70 years ago. But isn't that hysterical? I mean, I, I'm kind of like, you are kidding me. And yet, that was his source of information. Not unlike what is still happening. And online information is not necessarily the best nor the most accurate. If it talks a lot about me or I, I'm telling you, you've got a lot more ego going on there. So what he also does is he gives, you know, he highlights that, you know, there's a mutual respect and learning between the sexual science world and the faith-based communities. And it makes people so much more comfortable and Almost every year someone comes up to him and says, I am so glad that you were here because I was really worried that this was going to be um, presented you know, from what they consider to be a porn standpoint. And it, it couldn't be further from the truth. Yet if you only know one way of relating to sexuality and whether it's judgment or whether it's, you know, it's going to be bad or something, that's all you know. And it isn't until someone says, hey, there's another way of looking at this. It's like if you only ate one type of dish or two different types of dishes for the majority of your life, would you know that there might be vichyssoise or, or you know that there might be you know, another thing that you could do with potatoes rather than just boil them? So there are, there's a range of things. I call it the buffet of ideas. So Reverend Staten, or Bill as we all know him, that is one of the highlights for many people. Then we have Dr. Mona and Dr. Andreski. And what they address is how trauma affects sex. And we changed it from how wartime affects sex because for some of the soldiers who have PTS, post-traumatic stress, they have not been in a... Uh, at the theater, they have not been uh, on the front line, they've not been on excursions, they've not been, you know, driving a truck. But what they have done is they've been back and maybe seeing a friend who came back who had been very badly injured or who was dead or who they had to, you know, for some it is dealing with an assignment of having to deal with body bags and it just... It unravels them. And we never know what is going to be triggering for someone. And let's look at what we are finally addressing here is something that for soldiers who go forward, whether it was the Korean, whether it was World War One or World War Two or Vietnam or uh, the OED, the OID, um, Operation Enduring Freedom, Operation Iraqi Freedom, these are, you know, these theaters and the, the, the battles that came out of this, many times people never even properly addressed that PTS was a real thing. Well, I can tell you it is a real thing. There are people who have PTS as a result of a car accident. Um, a woman I know who is a top financial advisor her office was in World Trade Two. She has PTS as a result of seeing the buildings come down because she lived right in the, the battery area and saw you know, the buildings come down thinking that her entire staff was in there. And what we look at is, so it isn't just wartime that does it. So 
again, Dr. Mona will address that, you know, the enduring psychological and physical effects of trauma, they can have a lifelong impression on the lives of these service personnel and their partners. So let us also address, we make sure that we include the partner, the spouse, the caregiver, because they are often left out when it comes to the discussions about how to properly prepare someone. Someone may not be able to hold their partner any longer because of injuries to their arms or to their hands. And how do they hold their partner close? And I'll talk about that when I talk about what uh, Tom Stewart and I present. So what Linda and uh, what Dr. Mona and Dr. Andreski address is that trauma that people witness and or experience typically influences all domains, including their sexuality. And, you know, given that individuals may have difficulties reestablishing an emotional intimacy with themselves and their partners, it is not uncommon for sexual and intimate relationships to change. We hear regularly that when people come back from a deployment, they feel very disconnected from their partner, from the world they've come back to, because where they have been is very different than where, you know, someone who stayed and remained has experienced. And some of you, you know, I've never been there, but I do know what it's like to move away from an area and then come back, and people think you're the same. I had this happen when I was in university. I moved away, and then I came back, and the people seeing me thought I was the same person because I was an old face in new surroundings. But believe you me, I was not the same person. Those three years, four years away had changed me Um, you know, irreversibly. I was not the same. And that's also what these soldiers say and what their partners say that they are like. Now, I'm coming up to the final break, and when I come back, I will continue talking about how trauma affects sex, uh, presented by Dr. Mona and Dr. Andreski. And any questions, you know where to find me. It's, you know, Lou at Lou Paget or office at Lou Paget. Here come the tunes, and I'll be back right after this message. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. year, the United States Postal Service successfully ships over 160 billion packages and letters with bills traveling through the mail at twice the speed of checks. Automated sorting machines read zip codes and directs the mail to the proper destination. But last year, they failed to read some 2.4 billion pieces of mail, all because of cacography. That's bad handwriting. So what happens to all that errant mail? The post office hires more than 700 postal clerks to decipher the most difficult 
difficult ones. When a sorting machine discovers an illegible address, it scans and sends a digital image to the clerk's computers. Amazingly, the average clerk can crack the code in just three seconds. Not everyone can keep up, though, as management at the post office is always pushing the envelope. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. My favorite books is called Forgotten English by author Jeffrey Kaser, who looks at the origins and histories of the language. For example, take the term Fritterborn. That's an old English expression, probably borrowed from German, that means fleeting weeks and refers to what we call a honeymoon. A fribbler is a guy who doesn't ever make it to the honeymoon. The word fribbler comes from the 18th century and refers to a man who is in love with a woman but just won't commit to marriage. Chaucer coined the term pigasnia, which comes from the phrase pig's eye to mean sweetheart. Hey guys, why don't you try that one and your girlfriend and see how it goes. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. <laughs> um, hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm continuing to uh, give some of the uh, outline, the details that myself and my colleagues, who were just at the Coalition to Support America's Heroes, the conference called the Road to Recovery Conference, which was just held in Orlando at Universal from December 12th through the 16th. And I'm continuing to talk about the how, where Dr. Mona, Dr. Linda Mona, and Dr. Sarah Ray Andreski talk about how trauma affects sex. And one of the things, interestingly enough, finally we are having more, and I, I loved hearing this, from other panels and other general session uh, speakers that they did a panel on the Invisible Wounds panel discussion. And that's one of the things that, again, we have seen a greater increase. Our last presentation with the coalition was in 2014 in San Diego. And we saw such an increase in the number of service animals, of service dogs. And the same thing again this year. And what I have been aware of is the use of animals within, you know, emotionally, you know, anxious or anxiety-producing environments for many and how those animals change how people react. I volunteered for 10 years on the AIDS ward at Cedars-Sinai. And when those service dogs would come in and they would go into the rooms, the people would completely shift. And the same thing when these people have that dog with them. For many of them, this is the first time, you know, their, their service animal traveled with them. And people have become much more aware of, 
you know, when these animals put on their little jackets and they are, they're working and the animals know it, the dogs know it. So, but to go back to what Dr. Mona and Dr. Andreski, again, both of them being within the VA system, they do talk about in depth how we are dealing with those invisible, you know, the invisible wounds. So, and again, given that the individuals may have, you know, difficulties reestablishing that emotional intimacy, again, it's not uncommon for the sexual and intimate relationships to change. Now, one of the things that many people often don't do is they don't acknowledge it, but if you can acknowledge these issues to oneself as as well as to their partner, you can begin to establish a communication, whether you call it a dialogue, about the issues so that positive change can occur. Now, there's been many things that have often changed in these people's lives, and yet one of the things that is most self-affirming for most people is that they still can connect to their partner. So what the How Trauma Affects Sex workshop does is it introduces common ways in which intimate and sexual expression can be affected by the trauma. So whether or not someone does not uh, sense something or someone does not like to have someone touch from one side. And these are things that are downloaded into the subconscious as a protective measure. So it means knowing that that is something. One of the soldiers had been badly burned and his partner, his fiance, she could not, I mean, when she would touch him much as she would like him to feel, she could feel, but he could not feel anything other than the heat. He did not feel anything tactile because of the scar tissue. But the thing about, you know, the sexual expression being affected by trauma is that, you know, you can also propose it's a mean in which to, you can identify difficulties, and then you can locate appropriate resources that can help you, whether that is someone who is a therapist, a physical therapist, uh, you know, a cognitive behavior therapist, or someone who is part of a support group for the caregivers, getting that ready and available for you. Because many times it, what we find is that at this conference, People will absolutely share very openly what works for them. Here's another example. A one woman whose husband would get triggered by particular things, what she did, as she put it, she said, I could not have my husband being taken away by the police. My children need their husband my children need their father. When he would get triggered, he would start to think that he was right in the middle of battle. What she did is she set up a series of um, walkie-talkies throughout the house, and what she pretended to be is she would mimic the voice of his CO, his commanding officer, to talk him down. And another woman was talking about her husband who... At night, he might get triggered by something and, you know, might lash out or kick or something. And what she has done is instead of a fitted sheet and then one top sheet, what she has is she has a fitted sheet on the bottom, but she has two top sheets, one, each of which is like a big U, so that when he starts to kick at night, he can't kick her, but he's controlled on his side of the bed. But they're both in the bed together. 
And it's something that normalizes what they're going through, yet also she feels, you know, they've put something into place that she knew works for her. So here's the other thing. How do you reclaim your sexuality in the face of disability? And again, this was Dr. Mona, Dr. Andreski, myself, Bill Staten, and Tom Stewart were there to help. But, you know, we know when you acquire disability, everything can feel different, and, and even sex. So the first part of this workshop, we focused on the ways in which sexual thoughts and feelings about oneself and sexual relationships can change after the result of a physical or a mental difference. And many times, this may be the first time that many couples have been able to talk about this. And, you know, the experiences that, you know, that are related to sexuality, those things that are reported by other service personnel with disabilities, will, they get shared. And as I talked about, some of the strategies for coping with different and difficult things. And the other thing that many caregivers need to do, they need to do things for self-care. And that's why the second part of this presentation, we go into depth about what can, you know, where are the resources for them so that if they are taking care of someone, because when you are all of a sudden go from being a partner to a caregiver, that changes how you are viewing someone. You're not necessarily viewing them as a sensual or sexual partner. You might be viewing them as uh, someone, it is my obligation, my duty, my requirement, and that can leave some people being really pissed off. It's kind of like, I didn't sign up for this, this is not what I wanted to do, and let's be honest, that's normal. It's all, that's a similar thing that will happen for many people when they're dealing with someone who has um, a terminal illness and they feel guilty when the person finally dies and yet it's a relief because they no longer have to have their entire life be tied to what can I do, how many things do I have to do, etc., etc. Now, finally, in the mating and dating section, this is where Tom Stewart and myself put our heads together along with, you know, Bill Staten and we talk about how do you choose that partner. And it doesn't matter if you have a disability. When do you disclose it? It's um, what are the behaviors that make you attractive to someone? And usually, invariably, it is your attention. And if you want to maintain a relationship with someone, it really is about maintaining what is a form of behavior that keeps someone connected to you. Hugging, touching, kissing. And the other thing I tell people, you're a beginner in many areas of your life, and that's something that you have to remember. You're a beginner again in this. You Kissing is one of the first things that often gets dropped off. I tell people, do not practice psychic sex or psychic intimacy, thinking that the person should know what you want. They may not, and everything has shifted and changed. We have different nerve systems. We have, you know, different, you know, now if someone doesn't have the mobility, what do you use? And this is where Tom Stewart's stuff comes into place. His company, Sportsheets, the number one, uh, you know, mission statement for his company is keeping couples connected. And he brings 
thousands of dollars worth of product that he said we have a suite and he is able to set up a Hoyer lift for those who know a Hoyer lift is that thing that allows you to lift someone into a bed so people don't hurt their backs but what it also does it allows people to get into a position on top of a partner if they have not been able to do that for you know since the injury and we also use the sex sling for a door. Some couples cannot bend their backs as a result of rods, and this allows them. We also have straps that are used by able-bodied people to create different positions, but what they can be used by people who have a disability or a physical um, limitation, they can use it to keep their partner in place or keep themselves in place. And if they can't hold their partner, there's a thing called doggy style, which then can be used behind someone's back and pull the partner towards them. So there are so many things that people come up to the suite, they're able to see this, and because Tom has had the military thing, he can talk to these guys in a way that I can't. I can speak to the partners, but what they also, what we also see is many times they do not even realize that their partner might like to try something, and they're like, sure, I'll be interested. So if you have any type of, you know, if you do any philanthropic work or like to make donations, I will tell you, the Coalition to Support America's Heroes deserves your support. They do so much for so many. This is our eighth year doing this. We come from this, and I will tell you, it touches our hearts in ways you cannot believe. I wish all of you a very, very Merry Holiday, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever it may be, Kwanzaa. Here come the tunes. Bye for now. Thank you for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 